<laughs> Making the world a better place, <laughs> one show at a time. The George Wilder Jr. Show is now, the George Wilder Jr. Show is now on the air. <laughs> All right. This is Chicago's finest internet radio show, making a world a better place, one show at a time. The George Water Jr. Show is now on the air. Take it away, Dad. All right. <laughs> the George Water Jr. Show is now on the air, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for joining me. Uh, thanks for all your accolades and everything you say about the show. Um, even though we're, we're always rebuilding. And building and rebuilding and trying to figure out what works, what doesn't work, what is not, uh, what need to be changed and all that kind of thing. And the George Walter Jr. Show is always looking for feedback. You know, we're trying to get better. We want to be better. We know that, that there's a thousand radio shows out, maybe a million or, or so uh, other talk show hosts like myself. You know, I mean, you have your choice. It's a bunch of them. A lot of them are good. A lot of them are very, very, very good. Some are very poor. I've listened to some of the poor ones, but I will not bring up anybody's name. And uh, but if mine, if this show is, I mean, we're going on for almost four or five years being on the show, and I'm, and I always regret that I didn't start a lot sooner, a lot earlier. Uh, there were obstacles in the way of that for me not starting a lot sooner, or uh, you know, earlier than I than I have done i could have been on for 10 20 30 years you know but uh opticals prevented that but there are no obstacles now i mean we can go on and on and on and on until there are obstacles in the way <laughs> because you know i used to think that as life went on things would get better i mean just in generally in general excuse me in general things would just get better because i mean you from childhood to adult, you know, from childhood to teenager to adult to young adult to adult, and so on, things would get better as time went on. That's not true. <laughs> but I had a, a crazy adolescent uh, uh, thought at that time that things would actually get better as not just as the George Wilder Jr. get older, but just the public in general. Everybody get older, but that's not true, you know, because a lot of things, I mean, you can start off great. You can start off successful. You can start off, you know, um, uh, everything can be just hunky dory or, or positive in your life. And suddenly things just start to fall. Things start to get bad. Things start to go haywire. Things start to get go from bad to worse. 
and you wonder, you tell yourself, wow, I thought things were supposed to get better in, in a person's life. It doesn't. Things fall apart. And <laughs> things fall, fall apart. You know, I mean, things like losing your job or losing your house or a child dies or something like that or a parent or relative dies. And, and it's, uh, it, it hits you hard financially. Uh, a heart attack or a disease or cancer or something. I mean, you can have all of this. These things can wipe out your entire savings, can have your, comb, your home or your car taken away from you. And, and you will never probably uh, have those things again. Uh, so things do get uh, worse. Get, I mean, to things, they tend to not get better. They tend things seem to go haywire as you get older. Oh, I, I mean, you're young, you're bright, you're intelligent, you have, edu- you have an education, you got a car, you got a house, uh, you're happy as you can be, you got a couple of kids, I mean, everything's you're living in the suburbs or wherever, and everything is hunky-dory, you got a lot of money in the bank. Suddenly, there's a tragedy. There's a tragedy. Something uh, go on that you didn't foresee, and you can end up with nothing. Absolutely nothing, because so many people start out great in life, you know, and then all of a sudden, um, nothing. I mean, especially an illness. An illness can ruin you. I mean, because here in here in America, you know, I mean, you have to pay for health care, health care cost, and health care um, uh, will uh, ruin you. If you can't pay for it, especially if you're on a fixed income or you're just you know, working at a meager job uh, and, and, and a horrific illness hit you or hit your family, you know, you can really go broke and uh, you can end up homeless. You know, so um, things do get bad down the, down the road. I mean, that's that's no uh, lie about that. And I as a child, I mean, I. Uh, for some reason, I thought things would get better. I mean, I, I grew up with nothing. I had nothing. And suddenly, I did have something. So so I'm thinking, well, on through life, it's going to get better. It's going to get better. You know, things are going to work out. You know, <laughs> Suddenly, things started to fall apart. And you're not ready for it when things fall apart. You're not ready for uh uh, things like that when they start to fall apart. But anyway, that's not talk. Let's not be negative. Come on, George. Let's go. Yeah. But you know, things like that happen. Happens, and we have to be ready for. It. A lot of people don't think about that. You can be up one day and down the next, and that is no joke. I mean, you got you got the whole world uh, in your hands, and suddenly you have nothing in your hands. You can lose it all in 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 a minute. You know. Things change. Nothing stays the same, as the song would say. Nothing stays the same. Everything must change. And it does change. Whether it's changed for the worst, it's going to change. Things are will never stay the same. Hopefully, some things may get better, but the majority of, of some of the things we're talking about get worse. They get worse. And you look around for somebody to call. You look around for somebody to cry, to cry, uh, to uh, to lend you a shoulder to cry on, I'm trying to say. Uh, and there's no one. And you feel like you're just helpless and things are just mounting on you, bills and all this kind of thing. 
So, you know, the George Wilder Jr. Show knows all about those kinds of things, believe me, <laughs> because I have been through them. And I've talked to people on the show who have been uh, through a lot of uh, ups and downs in their life. But that's one of the th- reasons, that's one of the things, that's one of the reasons why I have this show in order to try to m- help make the world a better show, a better place, and to make this a better show, I'm trying to say here. And that's why I have people on to um, tell their stories, talk about their books, you know. And I hope that I hope that when people come on the George Wilder Jr. show, that once they're off the show, that they feel a little better, they are a little better, and they can take life on, you know. I mean, I don't want someone coming on the show and then just, ah, just another radio show, just another talk show host, just another uh, vehicle to publish my book. I don't want you to think of the George Wilder Jr. show in that manner. I want you to think of it as a place where uh, you come and you talk about you, yourself or your book or your product or whatever. And then once your in, your interview is over or the conversation is over, that you, um, you've learned something, you've, uh, you've uh, gained something, and you feel a little bit better about yourself or your book or the product that you've uh, trying to get out there to the world. And that's what the George Wilder Jr. show is all about is, is, uh, is making the world a better place. Even if it's just saying, uh, even if I just say, stop frowning and smile a little bit, you know, if I say, um, uh, be kind to one another out there. It's, it is so easy to be kind to one another. Stop hurting each other. Stop killing each other. Stop maiming each other. Stop, you know, being pissed off at each other. Stop lying. I mean, <laughs> of course we got an administration, Donald Trump. This guy lies. Uh, I mean, he lies so much. I mean, I'm hearing that he's lying. He's 71 years old, I'm hearing. And I'm hearing now that he's been lying since he was a child, growing up lying. And I don't dispute that. I don't uh, uh, argue uh, with that because it's probably very, very, very true. And it's sad that some people are hating and lying because of Donald Trump, but that's what's happening. There's too much hate. There's a division in the country that never was before, and it's because of Donald Trump. Um, uh, It's just awful that these things are happening. We need to change it. We need to change it. Uh, But this show is all about making the world a better place and making you a better person as you listen to the show. Hopefully, this show will spark something in you to uh, make you want to get up off the couch or out of the chair or, or whatever and, and get out in the world and do something to make it a better place. Uh, uh, making the world a better place is simple. It, it, it's, it's nothing, it's nothing uh, I don't think that's too strenuous. It's nothing that's strenuous at all. It's not hard. It's not difficult. You can make the world a better place just by speaking to someone, uh, saying hello you know, how how are you doing? That's uh, uh, making the world a better place. So just finding someone to make smile. That is what it's all about when I talk about making the world a better place, you know, and putting down the guns and stop being nasty and vile and evil <laughs> because we've got too many people out here who are hateful and just, you know, just obnoxious. Just like I've, like I'm looking at this story now, uh, in Toronto, up in Canada, 
a tragedy. A van kills nine people by, you know, uh, plunging into them. They were gathered on the sidewalk or something or other, and it's some. They're trying to say this is a uh, terrorist uh, act, a van, you know. So uh, I'm looking at the van right now. The front end is it's really messed up. The front end of the van is really, really uh, damaged uh, because it ran, it plowed into or sped into or slammed into uh, uh, people on the sidewalk in Toronto, Canada, and nine people died. They're calling it a van collision. Now, it's stuff like this that's just too much going on in the world. This is, I mean, when you hear about something like this and you tell yourself this hasn't, this is, this has happened before. I, I believe in um, Paris, France, even in, in the United States, this is how, uh, where somebody gets in a truck or a van and just goes to a place where there's lots and lots of pe- people who gather and just plow into them, you know, just run them, try, try to run them down on the sidewalk. This is an intentional act. Whenever somebody tries to run you down, when you just on the sidewalk, walking on the sidewalk and just, you know, standing on the sidewalk and someone just runs you down, that's a deliberate act, especially when there's more than one person involved. There's more than one um um, more than one victim. All right, you've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show. Uh, we got some news here, folks. Uh, former President George W. H. Uh, former President George H. W. Bush is hospitalized only a day or two after his wife passed away, and I'm thinking that this guy is not going to last long because he's lost the love of his life. And usually when you're in your 90s like this, she was 92, he's 94. Now he's all alone, basically. But he does have family, but his wife is gone. And uh, I'm thinking that he's not going to make it after Barbara Bush, after his longtime wife and longtime mate championship champion and uh, friend Barbara Bush passed away. George H.W. Bush is being hospitalized. And now he's saying he wants to go. I'm, I'm pretty sure he's probably saying or, or would be saying or some people around him feel that he's saying that he wants to go and join Barbara. I mean, he doesn't want to live. I mean, this guy, I, I don't think George H.W. Bush is going to live that long simply because his wife has passed away, you know, and you got to love, you got to love these kinds of people because they live to be in their 90s. And when one of them passed away, and I've heard this several times, and it, and it has happened several times, when one of these people who are in their 90s pass away, they're married. When one of them passed away, uh, the other one passes away right behind them because, because they want to be together. He wants to be together or she wants to be together with her husband, you know, and, uh, you know, they've done all they could for uh, the world, society, and it was positive. Um, so George W. Bush is in the hospital. If he wants to go join his join Barbara, uh, he has that right to do that, and he has right he has the same right as Barbara to refuse all medical treatment. Just say, hey, let me go join my wife. All right, you've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show on Block Dog Radio, but I want to say that was a great funeral. I saw a photograph of the funeral on Facebook. 
of the uh, Barbara Bush's funeral. I saw that and I thought that was a great, great photo, beautiful photo with uh, ex-president. Jimmy Carter wasn't there. I was wondering, maybe he, maybe he was uh, not feeling well to be there. But anyway, uh, there was Barack Obama, Michelle Obama. There was George W. Bush and Laura Bush. And there was also uh, Melania, Melania Trump. Uh, no Donald Trump, but there was, uh, but his wife was there, and she seemed like she was just as happy to be among people who <laughs> who had some brains because her husband has none. <laughs> he has no brains, no sense of timing, no. But he refused to go. Uh, uh, Donald Trump did not want to attend the funeral, and I thought that was just awful. I mean, he had uh, some saying that. Uh, Jeb Bush, uh, uh, Barbara Bush's son, Jeb Bush, former governor, did not want Donald Trump there or he asked Donald Trump not to come. I cannot confirm that. Uh, just all kinds of things uh, being said because he, but Donald Trump, the president of the United States, wasn't there. Well, you got people saying, well, uh, a lot of presidents do not attend first ladies' funerals. That's a bunch of, you know, I mean, I think. Uh, he should have been there, but he disliked Clinton so much and he disliked Bush so much that he refused to come. Instead, I'm hearing that instead of going to the funeral, Donald Trump went to do the thing he loves to do. He went to play golf or he played he either played golf before or after or during it. But any at any rate, he played golf and uh, that pissed a lot of people off. That pissed a whole lot of people off. All right, my guest today is Don Burnett uh, on the George Wanda Jr. Show. We're going to be having um, commentary, all of that kind of thing. Like I said, uh, in Toronto, Canada, nine nine people died in van collision. They were on the sidewalk. Uh, it that's awful. Let's see what we got. Let's see what the article says. Okay, and we can go from there. I'm just going to uh, read a little bit of it, and then uh, okay. Nine, nine dead after van rams into a crowd of pedestrians on Toronto Street. The driver was taken into custody shortly after the incident. Usually, at, usually when um, something like this happens, the uh, perpetrator shoots himself or kills himself. You know, I think after, after this, he probably should have. He killed nine people. And I, I think that with crimes like this committed almost every day in the world and especially in the United States, I think they should bring back the death penalty. They should bring back the electric chair, I think. Okay. Nine people are dead and 16 others are injured after a van drove, into, drove, in, drove onto a sidewalk in, Toronto, in Toronto's North York neighborhood uh, on Monday. The driver was taken into custody short, shortly after the incident. Uh, Deputy Peter Young on of the Toronto police confirmed that the number of fatalities during a press briefing on Monday afternoon, noting that more information would be released as the investigation continues. Hmm. Wow. I mean, they're giving press conferences and talking about this as I am actually on the air right now at the date, the, um, starting of this show. Okay. If you podcast this show for later, you know, you know, it, it, this w would be at an earlier date. 
Anyway, you're listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show. My guest today is Don Burnett. Uh, she's an author, I believe. Let me see. Let me check some of this information down here. Uh, song, a, a singer. Everybody cross the link. Everybody cross the line. I'm reading it wrong. I should be wearing glasses. I, I do have glasses, prescription glasses, but you know, but like so many people, I don't too much wear them because I want to look pretty. <laughs> I'm just kidding. All right, you've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show on Blog Talk Radio. We will be right back. Harvey bearing down on the Texas coast, Category 4 storm. At the same time, we learned that the president was going to pardon former Arizona Sheriff Joe Arpaio. Did the president use Harvey for political cover? Let's discuss. In fact, Let's debate. We have CNN political commentator Anna Navarro and Republican Arizona State Senator Steve Montenegro. Anna, what do you think? Was this playing politics? Even though we have a 24-hour news cycle now, you don't get the Friday pass the way you used to. But do you think the pardon was conveniently timed? Oh, of course it was conveniently timed. Listen, uh, first of all, that same day he did the, he signed the ban on transgender serving in the mm-hmm. military, which is incredibly offensive, that a guy who's been a continuous draft dodger would ban patriotic, qualified Americans willing to risk their lives from serving, something he was unwilling to do, something I was unwilling to do, just because of their sexual identity. That is offensive. He does that earlier in the afternoon. Then he does the Arpaio pardon. And then we learn that Gorka left the White House. Of course, or was ushered out of the White House. That's not coincidence. That's him throwing a bone to his base first before announcing something that he knew his base would not like. And of course, using the context of the hurricane to distract us all, as one of his deputy homeland uh, advisors said yesterday on ABC. Nobody's paying attention to our pile because there's a hurricane that we are living through. Well, he is damn wrong. There is a lot of people in this country, not only Latinos, who are incredibly offended by the pardoning of a man who is a Uh, racial profiler and a discriminatory racist. All right. Well, we're paying Um, attention to all of it, obviously. And I believe we have a Latino who is not offended by the pardon in the form of lawmaker Montenegro. What do you think of the pardon of Arpaio? Well, thank you for having me this morning again. Um, Listen, what's what's on display here is just the blatant outrage Uh, the hypocrisy from the left. I mean, when Barack Obama, when President Obama was pardoning uh, thugs and when he was pardoning someone like Oscar Lopez Rivera, who is a convicted, unrepented terrorist, where was the outrage there by the left? When he was uh, pardoning someone like uh, Brandon Manning, uh, someone that was giving away... Bradley Manning, excuse me. Somebody that was giving away... Thank you. Someone that was giving away secrets that was compromising national security to our country. Where was the outrage there? Well, what does that I mean, mean we're about, about the Arpaio-five-year-old? You don't justify you don't justify Arpaio by saying there are other pardons that we didn't like that you didn't give as much attention. That's called whataboutism. No, but, Let's just stick to Arpaio. Saying, was it the course, right move? But what I'm saying is what I'm saying is that there's hypocrisy. Look, pardons are something that the the presidents in this country have the power to do all the time. We're talking about a 75-year-old man here who's served his country since he was 18 years old, who, who the best the left can throw at him is a misdemeanor. And even then, the way the process was done, the, the way that the 
judicial system was used here what was incorrect how so and and and, and the well, well look we have judges that should have recused themselves judges that had complete bias in this case that shouldn't have been uh, adjudicating in this process and then when it's time to actually go to trial they they set it up the obama administration the most political administration and judicial administration there has been but it makes it so that he can't have a jury trial. Like, I'm confident that if this would have gone to to, to appeal, he would have won this on appeal. But again, the, the hypocrisy of the left, and then they scream racism, because that's all the liberals and all the left has when it comes to right, well, hold, running take, out of facts. Let's take, let's take that plan, Anna, yes, because the reason that racism is being um, put into this mix is because that was what the pattern of discrimination disclosed. Uh, that's how Arpaio got in trouble, was because of what he was doing. So racism wasn't just injected into this. That was the well, premise the of his behavior. But Go ahead. Listen, um, you know, those are nice talking points about the left, but I am not the left. I have been a Republican since I came to this country fleeing communism when I was eight years old and Ronald Reagan was president. John McCain, who has spoken strongly against the Arpaio pardon, is not the left. He is a national hero and was the Republican nominee. Your other senator, Jeff Flake, also a Republican from Arizona. People who know the facts and who've been on the ground are not the left. Paul Ryan, the Speaker of the House, who came out and spoke against this pardoning of Arpaio, is not the left. Congresswoman Ileana Ross Leighton from Miami, a first Latina Republican elected to Congress who has been there for decades, is not the left. So this thing about the left and the talking points and the whataboutisms, they're a very nice, you know, crutch for you to use, and you're entitled to use it. And let me say this to you. There's going to be a lot of Latinos watching you and listening to you today who are going to say you're a self-loathing Latino who doesn't look at him, himself in the mirror. I'm going to tell them to stop, because the maturity of a community means that we can have diversity of opinion. And if that's a, your, your opinion, I differ from it, but I'm not going to call you out on it that way. Now, that look, being said, let me, let this me is not about the that, left. Please. This is a please, judge, and this right. is a lot of Republicans who have spoken out against all right, so, all right, let's Let's put the politics to the right. side. Well, but I hold on, hold on. Answer, hold on. You Chris, can I answer, but let answer me, to this let me because frame directly, something else for this you. Directly went, this directly went to what, what I am trying to say, so let me right, respond to this. Anna, you, you, anybody can say that they're a Republican. Granted, you are a Republican, but you're also a liberal. And you can't run away from that. The reality is you're, you voted for Hillary Clinton. So let's be honest about what we're talking about here. We're talking about a narrative that tries to pin conservatives and right. Republicans as racist right, but here's the just thing. because we follow the here, rule of here's law. The thing. Why, why am I a liberal? Because I stand up for my community. Why am I like a liberal? Because I want to defend the Dream Act kids. Why am I a liberal? Because I don't forget that I'm an immigrant and that I'm a Hispanic and that I have a Latin accent when I speak English Look. and I want to defend those who get racially no, profiled see, by people you, who discriminate at, against us? Why let's am look I at the liberal? issues that actually because matter to I, If you want to use the Hispanic community, if you want to use the Hispanic community, for Hillary then Clinton because I thought and I think that Donald Trump is unfit. Unfit as president, unfit as a candidate, and unfit as a Republican. And I was a Republican see, when he was a Democrat. And you lean on the Hispanic community. If you want to talk, if we want to talk about the Hispanic community, well, I know. So am I. So let's talk. If you want to right. talk about what matters to the Hispanic community, right. what matters to the Hispanic community are jobs. Oh, wait, hold on a second. For our hold kids. On. Mr. Montenegro, this is what matters to the Hispanic community. Jobs yes, matter to every community. Raising wages That's would be correct. a panacea for many problems in this country. We're waiting to see how the president makes that happen. So that's one issue. But you have said nothing about the sum and substance of what got Arpaio in trouble. 
Do you think it's okay to look at someone like you and say, hmm, you look like you might be Latino. I think I'll check to see if you're a legal immigrant or not. Are you okay with that practice? Every story needs a villain. And in this case, the media has made a villain. Talk about the the practice. I am. Let me finish. Go ahead. The the reality is that you have an 85-year-old man. Look, 33% of his employees were Hispanics. Out of five of his top deputies, three of them were Hispanic. He's got, he has a grandchild child that's Hispanic and another grandchild that he's back. This whole nonsense about racism is something that the left, that liberals well, use. Then what that was folks the practice that about? can't respect the rule if of law. If you look folks, like an illegal, I'm going to check are, you for ID. You Does see that what I'm sound saying? good you? see you? what I'm saying? The, when the left, when liberals are, are out of talking points, when they are out of facts, <laughs> they Defend use racism. the practice. The reality, the You're reality not speaking is to li- the practice. You haven't said a Again. damn thing about the practice. Chris, the facts Chris, that were on the record. Address them. Not to mention that he was doing that's that. That's what I'm he trying to say. He racially profiling Chris, way that's before what I'm he was 85 say. years Look, old. This is, this is, the, again, I answered that. You, what, what you said nothing what, about the practice itself. Nothing. You keep saying that it's being made an excuse by the left. Fine, if you want and to say that. But actually, justify and, the practice. So you don't think he did that. You don't, look, you don't think the facts the thing, on the record are Here's the reality. If you're an American that believes in the rule of law, the left screams racism. If you're an American that believes in capitalism and free market, markets, the left screams racism. If you are someone that believes in American exceptionalism, the left and liberals scream racism. Oh, because okay. we're, what, why? Because we're trying That's to fine. make sure we abide by the rule of law. It's a fine political argument. All okay, I'm saying is, hold on, Anna, we have to leave it. We have to leave it here. But I'm going to state the proposition to the audience just so that they can measure what they've seen. Either you think, either you think, all right, welcome back to the George Wilder Journey Show on Blog Talk Radio, broadcasting out of the city of Chicago, the great state of Illinois. It's a beautiful day. Uh, spring has finally sprung in the city of Chicago, at least further, further inland. I'm on the north side. I'm by the lake and it's always cooler. The air is always cool. But, uh, hey, wow. I'm just glad to be here. I'm about to celebrate four years on the air. It could have been a lot longer, but we had to uh, deal with a lot of things. All right, let's go to the phone and see what's happening. All right, you're on the George Wilder Jr. Show. Go right ahead. Hi, George. Dawn Burnett here. How are you? Hi, Dawn Burnett. Glad that you can be a uh, part of the show helping to make the world a better place right here on the George Wilder Jr. show. And uh, where are you calling from? I'm calling from sunny Orlando, Florida. Oh, rub it in, right? <laughs> <laughs> I'll send you some, not a problem. I like cooler weather. Uh, we can swap out for a while. All righty. Tell my audience a little bit about yourself. Give us a little bit of your bio and then talk about um, I've, everybody crosses the line or something to that effect. Absolutely. Well, George, I'm founder of A New Dawn Natural Solutions and a summa cum laude graduate of alternative medicine. Raced back to college when my son was at the age of two. He had an overcompromised immune system due to vaccinations. Pushed him into five rounds of antibiotics. Led us to a children's hospital where they wanted to remove body parts. He was pronounced with severe wow. celiac disease. I said, there's got to be a better way. I was working in real estate at the time, dropped everything, raced back, happy to say graduated top of my class, teamed up with an amazing medical doctor out of France who lives in Miami. 
who formulates all of his own natural stuff, and within six months, we completely reversed my son's health. Wow, congratulations on that. Thank you. Yes, he's turning 14, so that was 12 years ago. It was great. (laughs) Uh, But from there, (laughs) I've segued into transformational and wellness expert, taking that expertise um, throughout the world to women through every life change. And uh, Mm -hmm. so I provide wellness strategies to those who are frustrated with their current health situations and ready to embrace that alternative healing solution, but not just healing their bodies, healing their lives from the inside out. Oh, that sounds great because I do know a lot of people and people have been on the show talking about healing their bodies inside out. And uh, how do you go about getting people of coming to the realization that they need uh, uh, what you're offering? Well, by the time people come to me, they're sick and tired of being Mm -hmm. sick and tired. They've already gone through a lot (laughs) of the mainstream medical system, and Mm -hmm. it's just not working. And let's face it, there is a place for mainstream medicine, absolutely. I say it's all about the perfect marriage of the two, integration of medicine. But there are things that we can do to help prevent those things from happening in the first place, like good vitamin supplementation, eating organic yeah. when possible, non-GMO you know, yeah. GMO foods, eating whole foods and so live foods instead of dead foods, getting the proper amount of sleep, uh, watching what we put into our minds, because everything works in collective unison. What about exercise? Does exercise play a part? You know, I don't like to call it exercise. Mm-hmm. Let's face it, a lot of people don't like that word. I like get moving, right? Because you just <laughs> that need sounds... to get moving. People like to get wow. moving. They like to dance. They like to you know, snow ski. They like to ice skate. They may even like to walk fast pace. They may like to you know, jump yeah, on a trampoline. They may like to yoga. They might like to Zumba. So exercise Mm -hmm. is one of those things that the brain goes, oh, no way for a lot of people. So let's call it just get moving. Get get that blood pumping and let's get moving. Let's hit that dance floor. We don't need Zumba. Yeah, those verbs are good. good Hip-hop music, whatever, and get out there, right? And you'll be working up a (laughs) sweat in no time. Yeah, yeah. So have you written about all of this? I have. (laughs) I'm a published author of three books. Co-authored with Jack Canfield. First book was a memoir, True Confessions of the Heart. Second book, turning it all around and looking at the inside before we can look at the outside because everything is an inner reflection. It's like a mirror. So second book is Connect, How to Know If He's Really Your Man. And my forthcoming book, coming out with nine contributing authors, being released on January 1st of next year. That is connect how to love and accept uh-huh. yourself after divorce. Wow, this is something. Uh, I may have a caller on the line may want to ask you a question. Can you take a question? Absolutely. Hold on. Hello, caller. I have Don Burnett on the George Wilder Jr. Show. Would you like to ask her a question? Uh, yeah, just a quick one. Uh, does she think there are limits uh as far as coming together uh, with how far apart some extremes may be, uh, meaning what we're seeing right now, are there limits to, you know, finding togetherness, understanding and all that stuff. If, if we're talking about people are so far apart, like 
does it have to just be okay? These are just actually two different factions. Like there, there may be no piecing yeah. some things out. So my understanding is you're asking not so much on the natural healing side, but more about peace and love for one another. Is that correct? Indeed. Well, again, I think if we connect more with inside ourselves, you know, a lot of judgment and stuff comes from a place of programmed thinking. Maybe that's how the upbringing was. Maybe that was what was told to you, and it doesn't necessarily mean that way of thinking is the correct thinking, but it may be something that parents have picked up generation. I know I've had to work on my own stuff, as we call it, in going, well, just because that was told to me by mom or dad, that doesn't necessarily mean that's the way it is in the world. And I always go, you know, if I'm judging somebody else, let's face it, that's because there's something disconnected with inside of me that's normally a problem I have with inside of me. And a lot of control in life is fear-based. It stems from a place of fear in life. So, again, it may be that, hey, somebody is judgmental or has an issue with somebody of a certain race. But maybe that's just because of something that was taught to them when they were growing up, and that's not really the case at all. I mean, me personally, I talk to everybody, including the bums on the streets, because, and I love talking to them because everybody yeah. has a story and everybody's life matters, or we wouldn't be here. I totally agree. Everybody has a story. Everybody can write their own autobiography or their own memoir if they wanted to. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. All right. Thank you for your call. Don, uh, how are people responding to your work, positively or negatively? Fantastic. I haven't had negatives, so that's a good mm-hmm. knock on what, right? Because really, I didn't really mean to say negative. It just came up. <laughs> <laughs> because at the end of the day, I mean, as we've yeah. been, you know, taught by the gurus of life, of, of spirituality and, and different things like that, everything kind of really starts and ends with us, right? If, yeah. if I have a problem with somebody, I really need to look inside myself and say, why am I having a problem with this person? I mean, are they really violating me? Why are they getting under my skin? Why is this bothering me? And usually if I go deep with inside, it's, you know, really, it has nothing to do with them. Everybody's got a right to be who they are, right? If, if they're not breaking yeah. the law. So I, I have a saying in my house with my son. You can be your own identity. As long as you don't bring harm to somebody else, your body, break the law or the school rules, then be your own identity. Because so Mm -hmm. many times I think children are raised and these parents are putting a very tough expectation, but it's really coming from a place of self. We could say that's a place of ego, Ego, it can also stem from a place of fear because, oh, my gosh, if my kid maybe doesn't go to Harvard, how will I look to the Joneses? If you really dig (laughs) deep on that, it's like, why does my kid have to be this certain thing? I just want my kids to be successful in the sense of please financially support yourself when you get older. Whatever you choose to do, don't break the law and support yourself. (laughs) That's my thoughts. Exactly. That's the same thing I've been telling mine, you know, so 
you know, um, those are uh, positive aspects. Uh, and I want to thank you for uh, uh, sharing those. Um, have you, uh, I mean, you've got uh, your latest book. Have, is there anything in there that uh, mirrors your own experience? Oh, well, absolutely. All of my work experience, you know, it mirrors my own experience because I came yeah. from a place of pain. I came from a place of growing up poor, standing in the cheese line, the food stamps, the government cheese, <laughs> and although I had gratitude for it as a kid, yeah. uh, Velveeta yeah. is not my favorite thing to eat today, right? And yeah. coming yeah. from a, a place of abuse, but being on the other side and making my pain my platform, these are all things yeah. that either I've studied along the way in college and got that degree and credentials to back up. But life experience yeah. is really what helps you to play the big play. role. Yeah, but you know what? I am so grateful for every single painful thing that has happened in my life because it's been character building and it's helped me to come to this place today. What really shook so, me to this platform is being hit and run by a drunk driver about nine years ago when my son and I were plowed into the ground. So that really shifted things for me, and I had the epiphany that, you know what, I am really here for a reason, and I am to take everything that I've learned, and if I just heal one other person on the planet, my purpose has been served. So you believe not to let uh, negative things that ha that has purposely happened to you hold you back, but to propel propel you on. Yeah, when negative things happen, I mean, negative, yeah. let's face it, it's really just a perception. So I kind of yeah. don't even go negative or positive. I rather just stand there and go, <laughs> why is this happening to me? If this is a pattern happening to me, then it's something I haven't learned yet. And if it's just a one-off yeah. thing, what is it that what is it that a, a higher power is trying to get my attention and show me the way, really, a lot of things that have happened yeah. at the time we may go, oh, man, let's say you get the traffic light, every red on the way to work. But then you later find out, oh, my goodness, there was a bad car crash, and that could have been me had those red lights have not all been stuck in my way. So I more or less try to step back and go, why is this happening, and what am I supposed to be learning from this? So you, be, you basically believe that everybody who isn't happy should be happy. I believe that happiness comes from within. We all hold the power, and at the end of the day, it really is a choice. Even when I was in a hospital after delivering my son and the doctor had left yeah. bandages stuck on my skin and the nurses were removing my skin with the bandages, at that moment mm -hmm. in time, I thought, oh, my goodness, my heart goes out to burn victims who are losing their skin. So really, it can always be a worse situation rather than at that moment I could have totally have had wallowing for myself and screaming at nurses, but instead I'm very blessed that my mindset went to my heart goes out for burn victims. Yeah. Um, Don Burnett on the George Wilder Jr. Show, can you tell us where we can find your latest book and give us a website where everybody out there who is listening, who are listening, uh, can find you? I can. You can go to anewdawnnaturalsolutions.com. And okay. most important, I want to get the message because I know you had a lot of passion on this show. I caught the tail end right before I was 
brought in. And the most recent work is actually not the book, but it's a song. Everybody crossed the line. I want to encourage oh, that, that's all what, of your I'm listeners. thinking it was a book title, yeah, you know? <laughs> no, it is a song. It is a song. A and song. amazing recording artist, one who was on American Idol. So uh, go to YouTube, Google Everybody Cross the Line. It is all right. A slow down a little bit. I'm going to write this down. Okay, you got to look that up. Pull up that YouTube right now, George. You're going to okay. get ready to be inspired because there is amazing story behind this that got us news coverage. There is a there Everybody, is a uh, YouTube link, right? Everybody cross the line. Okay. It yes, everybody okay. cross the line. And uh, it's based off the Challenge Day, Aaron Gurrell's Freedom Writer movies that Hillary Swank played her part in. I had the wonderful honor of being on the red carpet in Hollywood with her over a year oh, ago. Wow. But the whole premise behind it, I mean, it's also based mm-hmm. on, you know, Oprah's Golden Globe speech, Janelle Monet's message at the Grammys, all of that, that, you know, it's really designed to inspire listeners to rise up from being a victim, to take them to a place of victory, a place where they can find courage and freedom when they remove the barriers that hold them back. So the line is that visualization of when you step to that line or over that line, leave everything behind, and we are all at a place of equality. Because it doesn't matter if you're a top CEO of a company or a homeless person. We all share a lot of the same hurts. When you peel back all the layers of the onion, we are really connected and all the same from the time that we come out, right? And so it's so important. And, I, you know, I really want to get this message out there for anti-bullying because right after the Parkland shooting, then my son was thrown downstairs by a school bully three days before the filming of that video. And so I'm I'm blessed that I have a degree in medicine and was able to treat him until we could get him to his x-ray and had the crutches and everything on hand. I'm very proud of him for speaking his truth. In that video, George, he is on crutches. He holds a sign that says bullied, flips it around to say overcomer for all the people around the world that are looking for a voice. All right, Don Burnett on the George Wilder Jr. Show. I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to send you a link to this show so you can put it on your website and let let other people come by and hear you on the show because I think you're very passionate also. You're very awesome too, and and people need to hear what you have to say. And that's why I'm going to send you a link to do to the show to do what you want to do with it, with you on it, this link of this show today. And uh, no problem. And I may go by and, and I'm going to check out one of your books. And I advise my listeners to check your, your book out. Once I check it out, uh, or download it or whatever, I, I will give it, a, give it a review. How's that? Perfect. <laughs> Perfect. Okay. <laughs> I'm always happy. That's okay. <laughs> you know, people need to be happy. There's so many sad faces in the world. I mean, I see sad faces all the time. And I'm wondering, why are these people sad? You're above ground. You should be happy. You, you're you young. You, you're vibrant. You, you're goal-oriented. 
oriented. Thank so why not you. be happy? I've nearly died three times. So I am very blessed and highly favored to be here yeah. and speaking with you, George. <laughs> All right. I want to thank you for being on the show and hope to talk to you again. I'll get you that link as soon as this show is over. All right? All the best. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye. Don Burnett on the George Wilder Jr. Show. We will be right back after this musical break. Hi, everybody. The George Wilder Jr. Show is now on the air.
First up, he's not only the attorney who represents Stormy Daniels, he's Donald Trump's worst nightmare. Michael Avenetti! <laughs> this recorded, a lawyer got a standing ovation. <laughs> yes, you are something of a folk hero now. How are, you, how are you coping with your newfound fame? I imagine you can't go anywhere. Well, wait until we actually accomplish something in the coming months. Okay, well, that's a good attitude because, you know, I think the reason why liberals love you is, and Stormy, you know, who's, I think, acquitted herself very well. She looks very credible and she seems like a good person. Okay, um, but... Let's be honest, the whole reason that we're in love with you and Stormy is because we think you guys are the tip of the spear that's going to take down Donald Trump. It's all about that. Now, I know she's just your client, and this is one case for you, but walk me through how our dreams can come true. <laughs> <laughs> no, really, because... Honestly... So, so, so you, want, you want me to tell you about the four plays, basically? Yeah. <laughs> Well, you're working pro boner, is that correct? Exactly. <laughs> One porn star joke, I promise, that's it. But no, I mean, how does it get from uh, you winning a case to Donald Trump leaving the White House, or can it? Well, I mean, I think we're going to get an opportunity to depose Michael Cohen and the president within the next 60 to 90 days. And I think that what we've seen, Bill, is the dominoes have already started to fall. And I truly believe that this is the Achilles heel of the president. He has trusted a moron with his innermost, with his innermost secrets. And, 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 and the, problem, the problem is, is that he has surrounded himself in his adult life with people that are incompetent, and the chickens are going to come home to roost. He, he is a... Yeah, he, but, but, okay, I'm not a lawyer. Depose. Does that mean you... Is that when, like, a guy serves you? No, that means you raise your right hand. I know, but, like, how does that... How do you actually make Donald Trump show up? Well, we get a federal judge to order him to appear for a deposition. And, and a federal judge, you think, will do that? I do. I think Judge Otero here in Los Angeles, who is one of the best... And it could country, be any federal judge? It could be... Well, it could be any federal judge, but it's going to be Judge Otero in this case here in Los Angeles. Because the... Because he fucked her here in L.A.? <laughs> Why? <laughs> because, be, no, because we filed here in Los Angeles. Uh, okay. <laughs> but they, but they sound like I'm letting the cat out of the bag. It was a. Okay. But they did spend some time at the Beverly Hills Hotel, talking, right. okay. talking about Shark Week. Okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> right. Um, but and you think Donald Trump will really show up? Even? I do. You do? I do. Absolutely. I don't. You don't. I absolutely well, do. Well, that's going to set off what's called a constitutional crisis. You think he gives happens. a fuck? Well, I think he should. He should, but he, he should. Donald Trump should? Hello. <laughs> he should do a lot of things. No, I just don't think... And then, and then what happens if he doesn't show up? Well, I, it's going to be... Uh, right. You know, maybe they'll send out the U.S. Marshals for him. I don't know. Well, I'm... <laughs> but, yeah, then, it'll be his goons against your goons. But, yeah, but, but you know what? It's I, going I, I would get your that if that Yeah, I would, <laughs> too. I oh, my God. I think it'd be fantastic. I think it'd be good TV. <laughs>
But here's one that I think is a big canard that we hear all the time, that the president is not above the law. He certainly is above the law. No, he thinks he's above the law. No, he is above the law in the sense that you can't just arrest a guy like Donald Trump when he is the president. You have to impeach him. If I, if I broke a law and you told me, well, the only way they can get you, Bill, is not just to arrest you or try you in court. You have to get 435 people, a majority of them, to impeach you. And then you have to get another two-thirds of 100 people to convict you. I'd say that's quite different than what the ordinary citizen has to face. I, I would agree with that. But I think, Bill, that Michael Cohen knows where almost all the bodies are buried. And I think he is going to sing like a canary. Like yeah, you I'm cannot... Just, just like saying. you can... Like, Bill, I Bill... I, I Here's the problem. You think he'll fold? No, I know he's going to fold. Wow. Because here's the problem. When you have a fixer, you need two things, at least. You need a guy that's tough, and you need a guy that is smart. This guy is neither tough nor smart. (laughs) You're not not a big fan of Michael Cohen. Uh, No. I think he's a zero. You you know who Donald Trump totally wishes he had? You. That's exactly who he, when he, he can't. Said, he can't. Here's the problem. No, for I know Trump. he can't. He can't buy my client, and he can't buy me. No, I'm not saying he would. I'm just saying he looks at you on TV and goes, "Why can't I get that fucking guy on my team? <laughs> Why am I stuck <laughs> with this junkyard dog?" You're right. He's an idiot. Um, <laughs> so, and, so how, tell me how the Sean Hannity thing leads to anything. And also, so Michael Cohen was Sean Hannity's lawyer, but he denies that and says. I didn't understand this at all when he said, I slipped him $10 once. By the way, I think, I for... think, I think Sean overpaid by $9. First of all, would you not be terribly insulted if, if somebody slipped you $10 and said, could I have some legal advice? I mean, I give the valet 20 <laughs> You get what you pay for. <laughs> I, I know, but what does that mean? So that means that they had a real contract? It doesn't... I don't know. Well, why, it, what did, why did he say it, that, and what does it mean, it, and where does that go? Here's what I think. I think that when the documents actually come out, and there are documents, there's no question in my mind, there are documents with Sean Hannity's name on them, the extent of that relationship, when it finally surfaces, I think will be very embarrassing to Sean Hannity. And you don't think Michael Cohen destroyed evidence before you the, the raid happened? Well, I think actually the reason why they were able to get the warrants is because they had him under electronic surveillance beforehand. And Michael Cohen and he didn't, didn't realize know it. it. He didn't realize it. And I think the basis, ultimately the American people will learn that the basis for the warrants was the fact that the FBI and the U.S. Attorney's Office had reason to believe that Michael Cohen was undertaking efforts to destroy documents. I think that's what's going to come out. Okay. Well, I, I just worry. I see all this giddiness on MSNBC about all this, and I just worry that it's going to get to a certain point, and then Donald Trump is just going to go, I either pardon everybody or I'm not showing up, and then it comes to nothing. But my other worry about it is that... Um, it's taking a lot of energy away from real issues. Do you ever worry about that? I know you have your own case to worry about, but... Uh, well, I think, I think the cover-up and lying to the American people is always a real issue. Yes, but it's, it's actually not what polls say people care about. They care about health care, which doesn't get a lot of coverage. They care about the tax cut, which doesn't get a lot of coverage because they're all chasing stories like this. I'm not saying you should stop doing what you're doing. Well, that's good because we're not... Yeah, I know. (laughs) 
No, I think it's great what you're doing, and I also think it's great that you have allowed a porn star to be shown to the American public as a real person, because, you know, porn stars, strippers, playmates, uh, cheerleaders, we found out how, how, what a rotten life they have. Uh, these are the last people it's okay to shit on in America. You know, men can't admit they know them. Women certainly aren't going to defend them. Look, see? <laughs> and so, uh, you've brought someone out into the light. You've done a good deal. And, and what about the future for you in politics? Do you think you would ever uh, want to get into the ring? I mean, obviously, when you get a standing ovation, it's a real... Well, as, as you know, there's a small matter that I'm presently focused on. Right. Um, but, you know, we'll see how that goes. And I'll tell you what, if at the end of that you decide that that makes sense for me, I'll do it. Hey, how about that? There's some news. Michael, thank you. Yes, you keep doing what you're doing. Mr. Trump, it's Dixon White here sending a video letter directly to you, sir. And the only reason I call you sir is because the office that you hold is supposed to be a respectable office. But so I just want to speak directly to you, Mr. Trump. I know you may never get this video. Maybe you will, though, because at least I have white skin like you. But first, I wanted to applaud you for one thing, and only one thing. Um, many racists in politics are very covert. So I applaud you for being an open racist, and I applaud you for at least letting us see just how racist you are. And it's now it's it's well established worldwide that you are a bona fide white supremacist. Um, there's not a nation that hasn't condemned you as a racist. So you have dishonored and disgraced one of the the highest office offices in the land. But I wanted to say one thing. You made a comment yesterday about shithole countries, poor black brown countries. So because they're poor because they're black and brown and not white or European, you consider them shitholes. Well, I wanted to give you an accurate definition of a shithole nation. A shithole nation, by definition, would be a nation like America that allows and tolerates a racist to operate in their highest office, the presidency. That is a shithole nation. A nation that tolerates a racist president. There is no worse pile of shit or turd in the toilet out of all the other countries than a great nation like America that allows its president to be an open white supremacist and then to allow them to continue to function as president that's the biggest turd in the pot or as you say the biggest shithole why because you mr trump are the shit the turd in the white house that's staining and putting the foul odor all over our nation and, of course, the only reason you're there is because you're a racist. You're a complete and utter idiot with no competency whatsoever to be where you're at. The only reason you're there is because we had a black president, 
and our racist nation wanted a racist president after a black president. So until America can get past its racism, which I don't know if it ever has, because there's one thing about black folks, Mr. Trump, black folks have always understood one thing. The more things change in this country, the more they stay the same. You are living proof that any white person, no matter how racist they are, and matter of fact, racism is actually more of a compliment in this nation. It's like apple pie racism in America. They go hand in hand. If you're a white American, you're a racist, and you've and you've proven that. And not only you're a racist, if you're a racist, you get rewarded for being a racist in this country. Why? Because we are a racist organization called America. Fact. And nothing has changed. In 400 years, what has really changed? We're still seeing black and brown folks executed in the street. Not that you and Jeff Sessions or any of your racist motherfucking cabinet care. You don't give a fuck about justice for people of color. You're all a group of white nationalists. So I just want to tell you, here's one white guy, and I'm telling you personally, Donald Trump, kiss my white fat ass. I hate you, Donald Trump. I literally hate you. And I pray to God you get impeached. You're an embarrassment to our nation and upon the world. Please do us all a favor and resign. The only people that want you in office are more racist. And yes, I know that our country, the majority of white people are racist. And the majority of white people totally and completely support you. I really believe that. Because they're not supporting you, then they're silently ignoring your racism. But anyhow, please do us all a favor. In Congress, please act to remove this racist motherfucker and his racist administration, or Congress is no better. Please remove this racist motherfucker from office. Go!
All righty. The White House won't, will not, it should be, will not, not won't. Okay. The White House will not rule out pardoning Michael Cohn, Michael Cohn, Trump's lawyer. If you've been following this, folks, you know what I'm talking about. And uh, it, Michael Cohn has been under investigation for months, I understand. And when they raided his office, hotel, and home, they confiscated a lot of material, computers, documentation. They confiscated everything. He's the reason that Stormy Daniels got $130,000 to shut her mouth uh, about having sex with Donald Trump. And Donald Trump denies it and says that he he doesn't know anything about it. You know he's lying. Donald Trump's been lying since birth. So... Um, you really can't believe anything Donald Trump says, but Donald Trump is in a lot of trouble. His confidant, his fixer, is about to go to prison. You know, and Donald Trump is going to follow behind. You know, White House Pre- White House Press Secretary Sarah Huckabee Sanders on Monday refused to discuss whether President Donald Trump is considering a pardon for his embattled personal attorney, Michael Cohn. Yeah, he's thinking about a pardon, but it's a pardon that probably won't will not live up to being a pardon because Donald Trump himself is on his way to prison because a lot of the stuff that the FBI confiscated in that raid of a couple of weeks ago is saying a lot about Donald Trump, Russia collusion and uh, his uh, embattled lawyer and Stormy Daniels. So Trump is is uh, quaking in his pants every minute of each day because because of that FBI raid. The guy is scared as hell. Um, this is Sarah Huckabee Sanders. I'm quoting her. It's hard to close the door on something that hasn't taken place. I don't like to discuss or comment on hypothetical situations that may or may not ever happen. She always finds a way to get out of a, answering a question. I mean, if you ever watch the uh, White House press briefings, and they happen almost every morning, I don't watch them because I don't want to hear this woman lie or or pivot or or talk over and above the question, never answering a direct question. And she gets pissed off when something, uh, when, when a certain question is answered and she can't answer it. And, you know, I mean, she, Sarah Huckabee Sanders, there's no doubt about it. She's uh, ass kisser for Donald Trump, and she's proud of it. And she's proud to be an ass kisser for Donald Trump. You got a lot of people who are proud to be stupid because of Donald Trump. I mean, you 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 can't say anything other than that. Okay, Sanders referred further questions on Cohen's case to his and Trump's personal lawyers, personal attorneys. She later, I mean, she she said a few weeks ago that she speaks for the president. She said she speaks for Donald Trump. And then when you ask her a question, she'll say, well, prefer that to Trump, the president, I don't know, refer that to, to the attorney. You speak for Donald Trump. You're supposed to know what the hell's going on. You, you're his other mind. You're his other uh, half, so, uh, so to speak, uh, in, political, in the political circles. I mean, she speaks for him, but yet when they ask a question, I mean, when the reporter's sitting down there like they're in first grade and she's the teacher or something, um, uh, uh, a reporter asks a question. I mean, she deflects it, and sometimes she gets angry at the question. 
as if she's the smartest person in the room. You know, so I don't watch some of these uh, press briefings with Sarah Huckabee Sanders because I I I know what it's all about, and I'm not going to be hooked get hooked on a lot of lies, a lot of things that aren't true, a lot of things she's twisting to in in favor of Donald Trump. You know, and uh, once he gets impeached, I'm assuming she will be out of be out of a job unless Mike Pence hires her. And that's another thing. A lot of people are saying, well, if Donald Trump is impeached, Mike Pence is next in line for the presidency. Well, well, we get we get rid of Trump and then we go after Mike Pence because he is an asshole. He is straight up someone you cannot trust at being president of the United States. He's being investigated also because he lied to Congress. So he being investigated also. And. But anyway, if he does end up president after Donald, after we get Donald Trump out of there, uh, we'll deal. Then we just have to deal with uh, Pence and try to get his ass up out of there. And hopefully by uh, uh, November 2018, we can take back the House and the Senate. Therefore, you know, impeaching Donald Trump if he's still there, or in some ways impeaching uh, Mike Pence if he ends up president. Uh, because a lot of us feel that Trump is not going to even make it to the midterms. I mean, he can't. I mean, he can't think straight. He's thinking about the Russia investigation. He's thinking about that uh, uh, raid on his lawyer's office. I mean, all of this is is is. But he's trying to. He's still trying to deflect a lot of things. And what really pissed me off about Trump, uh, one of many things, is that he didn't make it to Barbara Bush's funeral. I thought he gave a lame excuse about attending uh, a first lady's funeral. A lot of people on his side give the excuse that presidents don't go to first ladies' funerals. But Barack Obama did. Michelle Obama did. George W. Bush did. His wife did. Melania went. I don't buy the excuses that these Republicans or these conservatives or these pundits give. For not for Trump not attending uh, this important endeavor, but Trump has no empathy. He has no sympathy. He doesn't know how to feel uh, for someone else's pain. He's a narcissist. He can't feel anything. I mean, he's just a big, big old seventy-one-year-old baby. That's all he is—a baby, and all and the things he wants to cut, food stamps, Social Security, Medicaid, this is what he wants. He doesn't want to deal with the other crap, but he has to. I mean, the, the, Trump is going down. Remember, you heard it. You probably heard it a thousand times on this show, but he's going down. There's too much. There's too much crap swirling around him. There's too much going on around him. He's brought too much here. United States is divided. Hatred is here. Racism is here. People are harming each other physically because of this. People yelling and screaming at each other uh, because of Trump, especially if it involves racism and hate. Trump has bought it, brought it here. He dug up the underbelly of America, and they're out here among us. You know, I. I mean, if you 
if you decide that you want to, you know, go walk to your car, you may not come back. Somebody may pull a bullet in your head in the name of Donald Trump, especially if you're someone of color. So we really do have to take back this country. And and that's going to be difficult. I do think once Donald Trump is out of office, whether he is impeached or he's taken out in handcuffs or whether he uh, goes uh, goes uh, a four-year term, um, you know, he will not be back in office. I mean, he's 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 done. But I'm pretty sure Donald Trump is going to go out of office blaming everybody but himself. He's going to he's going to be on his way to jail, blaming everything and everybody and every uh, incident, but himself. All right. You've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show on Blog Talk Radio. And uh, do we have Keith Overman? Yeah, I think we do have Keith Overman. I'm Keith Olbermann, and this is The Resistance. I am confident now, even more so than I have been throughout the last year, that this nightmare presidency of Donald John Trump will end prematurely and end soon, and I am thus also confident that this is the correct moment to end this series of commentaries. The important stuff first. There are seven routes in front of Trump. Each inevitably ends in his impeachment or resignation. The first, the likeliest, became a thousand times more likely with the Thanksgiving news of a possible deal between Robert Mueller and General Michael Flynn. As I reported here as long ago as April 4th, the most specifically qualified expert alive on the subject of prosecuting a president, my friend, the Nixon White House counsel John Dean, put it to me very simply. Mueller is not shooting down. Mueller does not make a deal with Flynn to get Paul Manafort. He does not make a deal with Flynn to get Jared Kushner. He does not make a deal with Flynn to get Trump Jr. Mueller makes a deal with Flynn to get Donald Trump. Period. The Flynn deal report suggests Mueller has completely assembled the backbone of his case and is now just hanging the meat from it. And just as importantly, if Flynn has merely considered a deal from Mueller, it almost necessarily means Flynn either doesn't believe he would get a pardon from Trump or that Mueller, as I've also reported here, has succeeded in finding a way around Trump's pardon power. And either of these near certainties spell Trump's doom. So that's the most obvious of the seven ways for Trump to go now. Mueller really will get him on Russia. It will be ugly, and it will tear this country nearly apart, but it will be necessary. The second way is, as I've also repeatedly suggested here, that Mueller doesn't really need to prove anything about Trump and Russian sabotage of the election. There seems to be so much obstruction of justice, from the firing of James Comey to the lies about Trump Jr.'s meetings with the Russians, that it's hard to pick out a key player in the Trump inner circle who could not be guilty of it. Trump could be impeached on just obstruction of justice and a few lesser charges. Nixon was about to be. Or there is a third way. We could be spared the trauma of a Russia impeachment or an obstruction of justice impeachment as we were spared it with Nixon. If Trump is smart or just sufficiently scared enough and he resigns, or if he isn't, those around him who could still sell themselves by selling him out will force him to resign. A modified version of this, of course, is the fourth possible outcome that even if Mueller is months away from his denouement, the Republicans will impeach or remove Trump by spring purely to save their own asses. 
The state elections in Virginia and Oklahoma earlier this month show what could face Republican incumbents nationwide next November. Not only were Democratic victories overwhelming, but half of them were little morality plays. The 26-year-old lesbian beats the Republican in the district Trump won by nearly 40 points a year ago. The transgendered candidate in Virginia beats the guy who wrote an anti-equality bathroom bill. The boyfriend of a news reporter shot to death on camera beats the Republican pro-NRA candidate. I'll say it again. Richard Nixon was not forced out of office by Democrats, not really even by Watergate. Democrats controlled the Senate and the House every day Richard Nixon was president. They could have impeached him at any point. He resigned when the leading Republicans went into the White House and told him that not only would he be impeached and convicted, but he would take all of them down with him and they were not going to let him do that. So that's the fourth way out. Trump becomes more of an albatross to Republicans and more importantly more of a rallying cry to Democrats and the Republicans remove him before the midterms and then boastfully run for re-election on having removed him. The fifth endgame is the same thing only faster. The Republicans around him pull off that palace coup that is perfectly legal under the 25th Amendment and Mike Pence and Paul Ryan and Mitch McConnell eject Trump by simply stating he is unfit and getting their majorities to agree he's unfit. And if you don't think Pence and Ryan and McConnell would do that, you didn't see Trump's crazy tweet about the Man of the Year Award or this thing in front of the Native Americans on Monday, and you don't know Pence and Ryan and McConnell. The sixth means by which Trump leaves early is, of course, that if the Republicans don't impeach Trump before the midterms, the Democrats will be able to, after the midterms, if Virginia and New Jersey and Oklahoma are indicators, the Democrats could take the House and might need as few as 25 vulnerable Republicans in the Senate to vote guilty to remove Trump from office. But now there is a seventh new path to destruction for Trump, and it has bubbled up from the sewer of his life recently. And even with how Teflon he has been on this particular subject, it seems hard to believe the dam won't break. His sexual conduct as not one snowball, but a decade's worth of them have come down that hill, wiping out all the sleaze bags and emboldening and empowering the victims. It seems impossible to believe that some claimant somewhere does not have tangible evidence against Trump and that they won't say to hell with it and break one of those non-disclosure agreements and Trump will suddenly be envying Harvey Weinstein. Trump himself inadvertently has hinted at this. The New York Times buried the lead on this over the weekend. But it reported that earlier this year, Trump told a senator that the Access Hollywood pussy grabber tape was a fake. And he has said the same thing again recently to a White House staffer. He's obviously trying to work the refs of public opinion in advance for whatever is coming next, from a woman here or from Russia. So, I don't see any way out for Trump. Seven freight trains rushing at him. He might avoid a few. He might avoid six of them. He's not going to dance his way out from under all seven. And we, I think, should try to put ourselves in the mindset of those Americans who knew Richard Nixon was guilty as hell after John Dean finished testifying on June 27, 1973. But we're all left wondering if there would ever be a way to prove it. And we're left listening to a majority of the country saying Dean was lying and left watching nearly the entirety of the gullible news media saying, this was nonsense. Why would a president, even one as crazy as Nixon, ever do this? And more importantly, even if he were somehow guilty, how would he ever be dumb enough to leave any evidence of his guilt? And 16 days later, it turned out 
Virtually everything in the Oval Office had been taped, and the ball game was over, even though it would last another 13 months. Well, this ball game is also over, and I don't think it's going to last another 13 months. And so this series is over. This was intended as something temporary, a two-month project by somebody who had given All up. right, Keith. Part of the George Wilder Jr. Show. Don't forget to podcast the show. Always podcast it when it's over. There's a thousand, well, almost, not a half a thousand maybe, of my podcast right here on the George Wilder Jr. Show at this website. They're all great. They're all wonderful. And I want to thank my guest, Don Burnett, uh, Burnett for being on the show and being a wonderful guest. I will get the, that information out to her because she's 
was just a wonderful guest. All right, bye-bye, everybody. Remember, uh, stay positive, make the world a better place, get out there and do something awesome, all right? The George Wilder Jr. Show is off the air. Bye.